The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yes, it is. It's time to get in the ring with DJ D. Kooks. Just DJ D. Kooks here, and I'm here with Stephen Blyler again. How you doing, Stephen? I am in the ring. Yes, you are in the ring. And we're here to talk about three matches. We decided not to. Wa- we decided to watch them beforehand so we can talk about more matches. Yes, sir. Yes. And we talk, we're talking about three matches today. Oh, yeah. Three. Three. Three great matches. from Incredible matches. So, the first match we're going to talk about is Kenta and Taishi Ishimori versus Kota Ibushi and Naomichi Marufuji from Summer Nag- Navigation Day 12 from 7-15-2007. From Pro Wrestling Noah. That was the tag team match. Okay. Your thoughts on this match? Well, I first want to applaud you on your Japanese. Your uh, your language game is strong. About as strong as this match was. Yes. In terms of technicality, in terms of physical wrestling and in-ring, right? We're here to get in the ring. In terms of in-ring ability, I thought it was almost flawless. Yes. Um, see, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I thought this was really good, actually. This was on a comp that I got um, on one of the uh, sites that I was on. Um, so I I hadn't seen this match before, and this was actually known as the Kota Ibushi coming out party. Um, okay. okay. Um, um, so, if you do a little research on this match, Kota Ibushi versus and Kenta versus Naomichi Marufuji versus and no, it's uh, it's the other way around. Kota Ibushi and Naomichi Marufuji versus Rupert. Let me restart this. Take your time. Take your time. Uh, Kota Ibushi and Naomichi Marufuji versus Kenta and Taiji Ishimori. Um, it was really Kota Ibushi's coming out party in a major promotion in Japan. Right. Here. So, who stood out to you? That's a that's an excellent question. So I think for me, I'm kind of looking at everybody through. Like I got I got open eyes for every wrestler because I have not seen any of these people. I have, I have very limited exposure to them. So for me, it was really just I was I was caught up in. I mean, obviously the tag aspect. I thought they worked well together, but I thought they also told a good story. Each team. 
obviously they're in opposition, but obviously they also have to work together. So for me, it wasn't necessarily one person, one wrestler. It was more just how all four of them were kind of telling this story at the same time. Yeah, I I thought um, and Kenta and Marufuji were a uh, tag team before, um, um, before they were a rivalry. Okay. Um, so, I, and I loved all the interactions between Kenta, who was the uh, short, short, um. Brown and yellow tights, and Kota Ibushi, who are the white and blue tights. Right, right. Because um, I thought that those were masterfully done, and I thought Ibushi and Nishimori's stuff were very crisp. Um, stiff strikes, um, high spots, yeah. great psychology, and fantastic tag stuff dynamic. I like, I like the words crisp and stiff. I think those are very accurate for uh, all, all of the strikes, kind of everything. A lot of physicality out there, which I, I definitely, I definitely enjoy. Yes, and yeah, and I, I really enjoyed. Like, I'm not, I'm not really a, a, a pro wrestling Noah aficionado when it comes to like, um, this tag team stuff but this is one of the great tag matches of all time when it comes to like building up because of because when i when i look at these four men mm-hmm. and i thought they would have been go 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 but the first like 15 minutes it wasn't go 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 it was well built as well yeah, and we talk about this a lot, you and I, the, the story, telling that story. And sometimes, there, like you're saying, there's a there needs to be a faster buildup. But you're right, in this match, it wasn't pedal to the metal, but they were still telling that story. So the buildup, uh, it still had me on my toes for what's going to happen next. Yeah, and I thought the... the uh... Kenta Marufuji interactions were very good too. Um, Marufuji was in the longer pants, and you know, I I just thought this match was out of this world incredible. I, I rated it four and three quarters. Really good stuff. Oh yeah, that's a nice rating right there. Where would you go with this match? Well, I think I think as your listeners know, my rating. My rating style is very unorthodox. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go. Uh, I'm changing my uh, my metrics to, to the fist. And I'm going to have to give it six fists. Six out fists of- out of a possible eight fists. Um, I liked a lot of what I saw. A lot of what we've already talked about. The only thing for me... Maybe just I don't I don't know. There is just something holding me back from from saying and, and I feel like maybe maybe you could put a finger on it because you gave it four and what you three said quarters. four and three quarters. So obviously I think there's something there for us. I, I can't really put my finger on it. It it wasn't 
it wasn't any glaring it wasn't missing anything that was just glaring out at me it's just there was just something that held me back from making it you don't have a connection to these guys and and um that's a good point that's a good point d coogs um i could i could i could see you parachuting into this match and saying yeah this is very good but but not saying this is one of the greatest matches of all time. I love the way you put that. Like I parachuted in. You're right. I, I kind of came in raw and raw dog. right. And uh, I, I I think you hit the nail on the head for me. Like I'm not as invested, so I'm just watching with fresh eyes. And while this match, it, it's actually not a disservice to it. This match. This match didn't leave me going like, oh, my God, this is awesome, where I'm chanting in my house alone, getting the neighbors called on me because I'm freaking out. But it was still great. But I yeah. think that's probably because I wasn't as invested, as you said, in these wrestlers. So that's, that's a great point, D. Coogs. Um, but, this, but the next match, Shingo and Well, I think even if you parachute in, I think – the the next match didn't go and well I think you I think your mind was blown. Yeah, that that one definitely had me. Uh, let's just say I was a little more amped at the end of that one. For sure. So let's get your thoughts on Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay. Um, so have you watched a little bit of New Japan before this? I have. I have been exposed thanks to you. Shout out to D Coogs. I have also, uh, Will Ospreay is somebody that I've come across in a couple different matches. Things that you have actually sent me like way back when. Yes. And I've seen him in different, uh, different promotions, different things on the independent circuit. And one thing that I, that I know in the, I don't want to say I have a lot of exposure, but I have more than I have for most of these guys. I feel like he brings his specific style, his specific presence, his specific, you know, him. He brings Will Ospreay, no matter where he is, no matter who he's fighting. I think that's very particular about him. You know what you're going to get. And one also thing... No matter where he's at, no matter who he's wrestling, I feel like he maximizes whoever that opponent is. Yes. He elevates. I feel like he's an elevator. Um, As his music says, elevate, elevate me oh, to the sky. <laughs> there you go. Look look at that. I, sublimin, subliminally, I just, I just made that connection. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what he does every time I see him. Because I have seen him in different scenarios, different countries, battling different people, different styles of match. But I feel like he's always he always delivers. And he always makes that other person just bring their A game. And then what were your thoughts on Shango here? Uh, I mean, you know what? Not, I mean, again, it was like kind of like what we were talking about previous. I loved it. I just he he didn't I don't know he he didn't really get me. 
I thought Shingo jumped off the page here. Okay. And I love Well. Don't Why get is that? me wrong. Tell me more. Don't get me wrong. I love Well. Um, but Shingo has this great charisma about him. Um, that I love. I love. Um, where he has this like tough guy charisma. Um, I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, where. And I connect to that a little more because I like that tough guy, you know, kick ass. Okay. You know, I, you I know. came here to chew bubblegum and kick some ass and I'm all out of bubblegum types. Yeah, sort of like that. And, like, I think these two guys' chemistry really worked well with each other. Um, and, like... Jingo is obviously very skilled. Yes. I, I'm, um, I, I, this is, wasn't just the Will Ospreay show. No, no, definitely not. I don't know what it is. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, in the middle of a match, you just kind of find yourself maybe drawn a little more to one of the wrestlers. And for, for some, and for whatever reason, it was draw me. yourself to Will Ospreay. I, right, I, and obviously, it feel, I feel like you were the opposite. I, I get it. I get it. I love Will fucking Osprey. Right, and it's very interesting that we both watched and we both, you know, singled out the other guy, but at the same time, still obviously respect and appreciate. And I was still amazed at a lot of the things that I saw from Shingo. You know what I mean? Right. Very, very interesting. But, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about wrestling as a whole. I mean, you have five fucking stars. You have so many fans, and they're watching, whether you're live, whether you're watching through a screen, and you can be standing side by side with somebody else, and you're just going to gravitate towards one wrestler and the guy next to you, the person next to you is going to gravitate towards the other guy. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, it's not just, oh, that's the guy. He's the best. Everyone else sucks. It's like everybody finds a, a different. Maybe it has to do with who we are as people. I don't know. But everybody finds a connection to somebody. And I love it. I, I think that's one of the that's one of the awesome things. And I think, as you said, in this case, because both of these guys brought that. I mean, together, when they were wrestling, it's just seamless, effortless. It, it, they, it, just, it was just a great thing to watch. And I think they just worked so well together, not just because they're in it for themselves, to make themselves look good, but they legit want to put on a great match. I think you can see that. Yeah, it's not even about the moves at that point. It's about telling a great story and Will Osbury literally having to slay this dragon. Right. Right. There there were several spots that even me knowing the result of this match, knowing that Osbury wins, still gets me out of my seat. Yeah. That you know, and it's like it—it's unexplainable 
The reversing of the pumping bomber into the power bomb. Yeah. The reversal of the Osprey Oscar into the Gordy bomb. That was that was like that was like that was like fascinating. That that was that was like amazing. Yeah, the the originality and the creativity that definitely stood out as a whole. And it and it's it they came in in natural progressions, right? It it didn't seem contrived. It didn't seem like they forced it to to get into that situation to pull off those moves and those reversals and those combinations. It just it it just flowed. You know, sometimes we watch well, hopefully you don't watch a lot, but hopefully, you know, we can think back to some WWF of the past, well, some WWE of the past couple of years, and it just seems so contrived. Yes, I understand it's a story that's already been determined, but when I watch it, I should not know that. In this match, as you said, even though you already knew the outcome, the fact that they told the story so well, it still gets you off your feet. And that's a testament to these two gentlemen. Yeah. It, it, it's one of the greatest matches of all time. Oh, and that's high praise. For one of the greatest junior matches of all time. Um, I have no word. I, I have no words for for how these two men use their agility, their strength. Because Osprey is such a strong and and so and so. Such a um, such a smart wrestler too, and right. and this was Osprey in 2019 too. He was just like 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 doing four star matches in his sleep. Right. It's like that's all he knows how to do. It's all he knows how to do. It, and then you have a gem like this, where it's like the magnum opus. And if right. it wasn't for that Star Devlin match that we watched last time, that yeah. this would have been my match of the year. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, and that's that's some stiff competition right there. No doubt. So, I mean, I'll say this, Dan. Every match, every match that you send me, it it does not disappoint. Yeah. In in essence, I'm I'm probably the luckiest fan in the world because I'm not watching crap. I am only watching gold, courtesy of you. So thanks for that. And probably and now we'll transition to our third match. Okay, baby. Which is a gold mine. You've probably seen it before, but... Uh, yes, sir. It, it was it was a great refresher. It was a great was, refresher. Uh, checking it out last night, for sure. But watching it again, it's... I'm going to pull it up again. It's side by side. I mean, just peak. Peak performance. Peak performance. But you always notice something different. 
Oh, for sure. And the way that they the way that they perform in this ring, even if I wasn't going to see something different, I would still go back to it. Because I just thought the performance was just excellent. Pure excellence. It's just, it's just Brad and Austin just fucking having a great match. Great ass match. And it's it, you know, it, it really makes me pine for those good old days. I, I think this has kind of been lost for a while now in the in the WWF, WWE universe. This this is uh, this is just two guys. Sure, they're taking their direction. They had their story, but then they're they're they you could tell they had the autonomy to put their their personal spin on this and i mean in terms of characters these are just those are t- brett the hitman heart stone cold steve austin i mean dude those are iconic legendary characters yeah there's no getting around that it, it, it it's just so devoid of any like today's products are devoid of anything of direction and yeah and of uh, it, it's it's so impersonal now do you do you do you ever feel that i feel like there's yeah i feel like the wrestlers are not truthfully engaged in whatever storyline they're in i feel like it's just contrived bs and even if a guy is putting his best in the ring I feel like it is never matched with the buildup of the story that you and I always talk about. You know, we watch these matches, but you you also know that there's weeks and months of buildup. And this match, like, it had that. I mean, if when you start watching it, just in that, what's it, I think it's like five or... No, I don't even think it's five minutes. I think it's like two minutes at the beginning, you know, where they're just recapping. And I remember watching this. I don't think I watched it live, but I watched it once it came out. But I remember watching those uh, Rawls and things like that. And I remember when this was going on. And as a viewer, you thought that these two men legit hated each other. So you knew that this match was just going to be two competitors just giving it everything they got, not just to win, but to destroy the other person. And that storytelling has not been seen in a long time in that WWE universe. You've seen it in other places. Oh, absolutely. I, I see it on... Like you said, I see it all the time in all the matches you send me. You haven't seen it in WWE. No. And it's disappointing when you have cinematic shit. When you have this, when you have what you saw at WrestleMania this year. Yeah. You didn't see it, but oh, it was disappointing. Yeah. No, I've heard. 
Yeah, I mean, just just something as small as you know having Ken Shamrock as your as your special special guest referee. I mean, I feel like just everything was all here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just it, it's honest. I did not want to make this a bitch session, but it, it honest. This is like what I like about AEW. Oh yeah, I can see that. I I have not I have not delved too deep into AEW, but I have seen I've seen a couple. You know, I've I've checked into a couple episodes on Wednesday nights, and uh, I I definitely have caught up with uh, or or. I stay up with the with reading about each show, and I can I can definitely understand where you're coming from because I feel like they are telling better stories, and they are creating you know so by proxy they're creating better matches because the fans of AEW are buying into those stories because they're so well done, and that's definitely. That's what we're talking about. That's what WWE. And remember, I used to call it WWF even after they switched. But since it got so crappy, I'm now going to call it WWE out of respect for WWF. But that's what they're not doing. They're not they're not telling real stories. You're you're getting you're getting results and fans are legit like, "What? Why would you do this?" And not in a good way. It's not like one side is happy and the other side's like, what's going on? All the fans are like, what? What are you doing? Jinder Mahal? What? Nonsense like that. Yeah. How, how many times can we trot out Brock Lesnar? Come on. Get over it. Yeah. He's big. Yeah. But look at this. Bret Hart, Steve Austin. Sure, they're big dudes. But they're not monsters. Everybody you show me in New Japan Pro Wrestling, agility, speed, they have their strength, but they can move around. They, it just, I don't know. I'm sorry. That was a, that was a rant. You got me going, D-Cougs. You got me going. Yeah. I'm feeling it. And those guys were considered juniors. Right. Versions of cruiserweights. Right. And those guys were moved up to heavyweight too. So they those guys actually had a bigger goal to have after right. all this. Those guys did well in the G1. Those guys had stories to tell. You that, know that that's a great point. The those guys move up in the rankings. The existence of There's progression. Right, the existence of different tiers. Tiers, so you have different belts. It it fee it naturally feeds into storytelling because obviously these guys want to be the best at where they're at. Versus WWE, it seems like you have seventy two belts right now. And they can tell me which one's the best, but 
it's just it's too there's too much. So there's there's not this natural progression. All right. That's it's a good point. You made a good point there. I never thought about it like that. Right. And so so yeah, yeah, it's just it's just progression. Progression. It's isn't it amazing? It's sometimes it's the simplest things that either that either take you and 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 make you the best, or it's the simplest things that for some reason you can't figure out, and you end up looking like crap. Right. I mean, I'm gonna start a hashtag right now. Hashtag DKookiePunks for creative WWE. Get them on there. You could turn that. You could turn that place around in a year. I I don't wanna. You. I'm telling you, you turn that place around in a year. I got fired, honestly, because I. Hey, probably... we'll, we'll make that a storyline. <sighs> no, but I'm serious because they seem so disconnected and. You you have your ear to the proverbial streets, or um, you have your ear to the ring. You are a fan. You know what fans want. You respect the craft. You respect the story. I feel like everything that they show us nowadays has a complete utter lack of respect, has complete disregard for the fans. It's it's almost like we are better than you because we're WWE creative. You're going to take whatever we shove down your throat and you're going to like it. Yeah. But guess what? The smart ones, we know better. Yeah. Man, you got me fired up on a Sunday morning. I love it. So, what was your your, background around this time since you're a little older? Yeah, so we were we were talking a little bit right off air. Um, growing up as a kid, obviously wrestling very present in life, and I did not have my family did not have cable, so I wasn't catching every episode of of Raw or eventually every episode of Nitro, but I was watching Saturday Morning Superstars for sure religiously. I want to say it was on at like 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings. On uh, Back then it was on UPN, Channel 57. But uh, the, the magazine, the wrestling magazine was very big back then. And I remember going to school, kids would have the wrestling magazines. The internet, obviously, not a big thing. So it wasn't like you were going on and checking stuff out. But the VHS tape, that was very big, even before right. DVDs. I, I remember if you missed a pay-per-view, you had to wait a couple weeks, couple months, but then somebody always got the VHS. So I was always catching up months later. I loved it. I loved the characters. And I can tell you right now, Steve Austin, always a favorite. I just love the way he just didn't care about authority. But I would say... In this match, it, it, it's like Bret Hart for me, I didn't really understand as much because 
his his story never really spoke to me as a kid. So like I didn't pay as much attention. So of course I went in stone cold to win. But I will tell you when I watched it, I remember thinking like, oh my god, like I hate Bret Hart as a fan, but he's like really good. And I think that's a true test when I'm going in not caring at all about him, and then after the match I'm like, okay, I like that guy. So that the next time I'm watching a Bret Hart match, instead of being indifferent, I remember being like, oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. I'm going to pay more attention because he had that match against Stone Cold and I loved it. Right, right, right. How about you? I'm curious as someone that maybe came across this later, um, how, do, how do you view this through your perspective? What's your perspective on this? Um, I always viewed Brad Hart as someone who's a, a little... <laughs> this is funny <laughs> because this is funny because he's underrated and overrated at the same time. <laughs> I can see that. Um, Tell because, me more. Elaborate. Because because um because he is an underrated wrestler because because a, a lot of people people don't see that side of him a lot a lot of like american fans don't see it but to all the smarts he's overrated because there were better wrestlers in japan at the time right i mean there were like there was kobashi there was masawa there was kawada there was hashimoto there was even its contemporary, Michaels. Right. Who is better than him. So. And it is it is interesting because, and I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that. But I, I, I'm just thinking about today. And it's, it's weird because I was just trashing WWE. But, uh. A lot of times when they finally get that big that big name, that big independent name, a lot of those guys, for whatever reason, and there's many reasons, they just they don't seem to they can't hold that same status in WWE. And obviously sometimes it's not solely their fault. But I will give Bret Hart credit for that. It's like, sure, there's other guys in Japan that are better than him. At this time. But, you know, he, he was doing... He, he definitely did his thing over here. You know what I mean? Like, he he had his niche. He, he knew what he was doing. He was definitely more technical, uh, more technologically savvy in the ring. And I think that's where that underrated comes from. He doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But you're right. I mean, he, he didn't... He doesn't knock your doors off. He's not... He's not going to be on any Mount Rushmore... Unless you're talking about Canadian wrestlers. But he definitely, you know, he was definitely a big face. A big face in WWF in the in those nineties especially. I'm just seeing where he finished on the PWL greatest wrestler ever. He finished seventeenth. Okay. I mean that's he's up there. 
to be honest with you, I don't know if I, I would not have thought he would have been at 17. And this is a poll full of smart wrestling fans. And it, and several people voted him at number one. Can you uh, – I'm sorry, share – where did you go? You went to PWI, Best Wrestling? Pro Wrestling Only. Oh, PWO, okay. Pro Wrestling Only, which is a forum. I'm going to try to pull this up. Greatest wrestler ever. Oh, I got it. And then there's a section called Greatest Wrestler Ever where you can view the list. Gotcha. Um, Ooh, fun fact. Terry Funk, my wife's father's new wife, so not her mom, but his new wife is cousins with Terry Funk. Wow. Speaking of Terry Funk, finished. He was very high on this list. I'm I'm very uh, I'm scrolling through and I'm very happy that I don't see I don't see uh, Brock Lesnar yet. No. I'm very excited about that. That lends a lot of credence to this. Good. He's at 47. Okay. I like that. If they had him top 10, I was going to throw my computer out the window. I get it. He's a behemoth, and he's got just freak ability. But that man, and I, I get it. He's got Paul Heyman to tell his story. Sure. Okay. But that man... Could not be more of a stiff, and I cannot stand any story he's trying to put out there. When he gets in the ring, creativity dies, and he dominates people, and then all of a sudden he loses the people, and it just makes no sense. Sorry, that's my that's my Brock Lesnar rant. I can't stand the guy. Thoughts? Um, I like Brock. He brings something different to the table. Terry Which, Funk finished second on this list. Oh, yeah. And rightfully so. I'm just upset that my favorite wrestler of all time is not on here. Oh. Balls Mahoney. I'll tell you what, ECW, I was always up on that because ECW was on Channel 48 growing up here in Philly. And I would watch ECW every week. At what time in the morning? (laughs) Uh, So Back then it was actually on a couple times. So it would be on, it was like one or two in the morning on, on, so Friday night slash Saturday morning. But then it would be on Saturday afternoon. It, the time slot changed a lot, but it would be on Saturday afternoons. It'd be a replay. But also, I don't think it was Monday to Friday, but it was like a couple nights a week. It was all. Oh yeah, I voted in this poll. You can see Did my you? name. I voted Brian Danielson number one. Oh nice. Neil Brian number one. I, I well, I'll tell you what. That was the last man to tell a worthwhile story in WWE. So I, I'm a big Brian Danielson fan. 
that I when do, that I yes movement is the greatest wrestler of all time. That yes movement, and when he when he takes the, you know, when it, when he just goes goes into WrestleMania and gets that, that was a that was my last moment with WWF. I mean, I know I know the injury, the injury facilitated the fact that that couldn't that story couldn't continue its its arc. Because I, I don't I, I do not think that WrestleMania was the you know was was the the was the the apex, but obviously with the injury and all that, it ended up being. I mean I know he's back now in limited capacity and all that, but that thing had some juice. That yes movement had a lot of momentum. Damn, that sucked. That he got hurt after that. Yeah, that that was that was the last story that I was invested in with WWF. I can say that. You can call that WWF. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the marker, Dan. That was WWF, and then right after WWE kicks in, you're right. You know, it was called WWE when Daniel Bryan was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But see, you know, you know, that's me. I'm a, I'm a rare bird. But I, you know what? I, and I find this interesting. And this is another great thing. And I'm looking at this list. And you think about the ma- like when I see these names, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the matches that I have seen them in. And I think the great thing is wrestling is open for debate. I mean, you're gonna have a thousand different fans tell you. A thousand different reasons why this guy is number one. Even if they agree on the same person, they might have two different reasons why he's number one. And I think the the fact that wrestling fans can coexist and debate and have difference of opinion on the best wrestler and why they're the best, and I think that that's an amazing thing. You look at the top ten. Top 10. Jerry the King Waller at 10. The King! The King, baby. Puppies! He was way more than that. Yeah. He's way more than the 72 heart attacks he's had in the past two years, too. Um, nine. Toshiaki Kawada. We'll be watching some of his matches. Including that legendary tag match I sent you, but the uh, Kawada Tawa versus Mitsuhari Misawa and Kenta Kobashi. Remember, yeah. speaking of Kenta Kobashi, the Chop Lord, Kenta Kobashi. Six. Seven, Rey Mysterio. Big Rey Mysterio fan, but I like I like WCW Rey Mysterio better. Number six, Jushin Thunder Liger. Half tiger, half lion. Number five is Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. Number four is Mitsuharu Misawa. Number three is Stan, the Lariat, Hansen. 
Stan Han. Number two is Terry Funk, and number one is Ric Flair. Oh. Although, does should he lose points because of Charlotte? Nah. I think she's coasting a little too much on that last name of hers. Nah, but he's obviously a legend. The Four Horsemen. Yeah. Which, shout out to my man Arn Anderson, number 19, speaking of Four Horsemen. And Barry Windham at 25, speaking of Four Horsemen as well. And Steve Mongo McMichael at number 7,000. Shout out to him. <laughs> Talk about a floppy fish. Ooh. They had to give him the halibird. I don't know if you remember this, but in the late 90s in WCW, he, he always carried around the Halliburton briefcase. I feel like they had Stop to give talking him... about Steve Mongo McMichael. <laughs> They had to give him such a heavy briefcase because all he ever did was flop. Uh, he he would have killed it in the NBA or in the early 2000s. Have you been enjoying the last dance? Have not seen a second of it. Even though you lived through that era. Yes. So my my thinking is this. I am going to wait until it's all over. I'm a big binge guy. I like to binge. I don't like to to watch and wait. So I'm going to let all 10 episodes play out. And then I'm going to hop in. Plus, you know what? Being at home so much, there's a lot of stuff on my uh, on my watch list. And... I don't want to. I don't want to watch like seven different things at once. I want to focus on one or two so I can actually get everything out of them. And then as I knock one off my list, then I move on to the next one. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't want to be on like episode three or four or five of like seven shows. I want right. to be. I want to go from one to done, and then move on to the next one. Right. But that's just me. You know, to each their own. This was done back in 2016. Holy shit. This poll four years old. So let me ask you, if, if they were to redo it, let's say they redo it right now. Do you think, or who do you think would be a big mover on the list? Big Either mover. moving up or moving down. Moving up or down. Or, or maybe it stays the same. I don't know. Maybe it's just that good. Um, moving up. Moving up would be maybe Okada. Okay. And and that is Okada. that based on... Okada would definitely move up. Is maybe that based on what he's done? Sorry. Go ahead. Jericho would move up too. Okay. And is that... Based I, on the strength of the AEW run. Right. And I was going to say, and even even before AEW, when he was still bouncing back and forth. Yeah, I, the strength of the last four years, Jericho and Okada's runs. Yeah. 
um, would. Let me ask you this, and I'm looking at my favorite number and my my little sister's nickname, number 14, Vader. I know he was a huge presence in Japan. Do you think that is what gets him so high, more so than his time in America? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes. I, I, I think Jer- Jer- Vader's presence in Japan definitely gets him. Yeah. Because he didn't, he never, I mean, he was a presence and he definitely had some big matches here in the States. But he, he never really, you know, he, he was never really at the pinnacle of of the sport. But I'm, I, I am aware of his time in Japan. And, I mean, that man. Whew, that man. And also, he's probably this high because of his guest appearance on Boy Meets World. Don't forget about that. He played uh, Ethan Soupley's character. Uh, I want to say his name was Joey. He played his father living in the trailer park. I'll give you my top ten because I just found it. All right, let's hit it. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten was Janichiro Tenru. Nine, Chris Benoit. Eight was Eddie Guerrero. Seven, Ric Flair. Six, Toshiaki Kawada. Five, Shawn Michaels. Four, Mitsuharu Misawa. Three, Kenta Kobashi. Two, Bret Hart. One, Daniel Bryan. Oh, so, so you're a big Bret guy. Okay. Was a big Brad guy, yeah. Gotcha. Jericho was. Jericho was pretty high on my list. Jericho would probably be top 10 now. Okay. Thinking about. And you pro- what? I'm, I'm guessing you probably had what? Balls Mahoney at 11? No. I had. <laughs> no, I'm just I had Jumbo Ceruto, Evan Kenta, 12, Jerry Lawler. Where was that? Where was Sting on your list? Just curious. Sting was nowhere to be found. Oh, man. Sting was my man back in the day. Oh, Sting was on my list. He was one. Ninety-two. Okay. I mean, hey. Every, this is as I've been saying. This is what I love about wrestling. Everybody's got their got their favorites, and for different reasons. Trust me. I mean, DJ DJ Dekus, you know, you know me. I'm a little outside the box, so if if I'm gonna live outside, I, the box, I didn't. This was four years ago, so I'm not favorite wrestlers. This is like the greatest wrestlers of all time. I I I got gotcha. you. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I love about it is that you can get a bunch of different people get their list together and they're all going to be different. I I love I love debate. I love discussion. 
I'm thinking Jericho would be like top ten in mine now. And I I agree. I think his uh, his, you know his story just as, as a wrestler, his story just keeps growing. It keeps going and it keeps glowing. Yeah. He is a he is a chameleon to say the least. Who would I bump out of the top ten? Probably Benoit. Yeah. Tragic. I wouldn't bump out Eddie. How, how would you bump out Benoit? Would you give him a crossface crippler? Oh. He. How about Owen Hart? Where was Owen Hart on your list? I'm a big what? Owen guy. Owen. Ooh. I I think he's an underrated wrestler, to be honest. Yeah, you. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's top ten, but I was just a big Owen Hart fan. I just loved that he was always kind of that that you know he was never really the top guy. He was second fiddle. He was an underdog. He was scrappy. He was tough. He was gritty. He wasn't on my list, but he was on a lot of people's list. Yeah, I I, th- I mean he he's easily overlooked. I'm. I, and and obviously that's you know that part of that is on him that he's not resonating more with so many people but I just I, you know what I think it is I feel like if he's on your radar he's probably pretty high but then he's probably not on some people's radars at all as you're making a smoothie and obviously yeah I mean we watched a Bret Hart but. You had me thinking about him because you start talking about Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. You start thinking about, you know, the tragedy that sometimes befalls these wrestlers. And obviously, Owen Hart's a big tragedy there with with the Blue Blazer and all that. Right. So. And maybe someone who would go south is maybe like Nakamura. Okay. Because in 2016, we thought he was a shit. But that WWE run has really had gone south for him. Still had some awesome stuff in New Japan, but... Yeah. I think that's kind of what I was talking about earlier a little bit. I'm thinking about guys like Nakamura. Very hyped. Coming from elsewhere. Getting into the WWE. And then just, you know, for whatever reason, just not, not reaching that apex here. Whether it be the the mainstream American audience just not buying in, whether it be language. I mean, I think I, you can't overlook it. Um, whether it be creative, not knowing what to do with such a talent. I mean, it can be any number of reasons, but, yeah, sometimes these guys come over and they just can't. Oh, yeah, I put Mark Henry on my list. (laughs) Sexual chocolate. Dude, dude, Mark Henry was great. Uh, He was great. He convinced me to do it. Um, Early on in the nation. No, it was more based on the Hall of Pain run. Okay. 
Like, what? He's having many... great matches. His promos were pretty good, too. Yeah. Interesting. Why did I put Bruno San Martino on that list? All right, well, DJ, D. Kookie Punk. Let's do our plugs. Let's do our plugs, because I'm at my two-minute warning, because I got to go back and teach tomorrow. Ugh. So let's do our plugs. Jay McHusk on Twitter. That's right. Jameson Mahusky, the one, the only. Uh, real quick, uh, give me 10 seconds here. I got to say, if you're not listening, you got to listen. If you are listening, obviously you're listening. But tell your friends, because this man... This man, not only does he have the tremendous insight to bring me in on this podcast, not only does he get me in the ring, but this man has me, a casual fan, getting getting deeper and deeper and closer and closer that I might have to stop calling myself a casual fan. This man knows what he's talking about. And his plug is... DJ D. Kooks on Twitter. DJ D. Kooks. Gets me in the ring, gets you in the ring, keeps you in the ring.